Amen. There are one of the great joys in life is uh, those people you get to know along the way who kind of accompany you from that point on. And uh, being in ministry and being here and there, uh, early in our ministry, we got to know a family and then a, a person, uh, Heather Wagner, who's kind of now become part of our family as well. And Heather and her husband, Jeff, are visiting with my wife up from L.A. this week, and I'm so excited to have them here uh, and, and just to be together and enjoy our time together. And so I'm glad to introduce them to you. But I'm also glad to get to where we are finally at on this journey in the Songs of Ascent, these series of psalms that we began a long time ago. We began them in the spring with Psalm 120, and the, it's the series of psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. They are called the Songs of Ascent because they are the series of psalms that the people of Israel would sing when they would be making their journey up to Jerusalem three times a year for the different festivals at the temple there. And we have finally gotten to Psalm 134, and that's where we're going to be looking this morning. And I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Psalm 134. Listen to the Word of God. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us as we consider your word. Speak to us from your word. Guide my words. Guide all of our hearts and minds as we seek to understand, to be changed and transformed by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We very significantly are a very achievement-oriented society, a very achievement-oriented people. It's, it's how we measure and it's how we identify ourselves by our achievements. I think that's one of the reasons we like sports so much. 30 or 32 teams start a season, whatever the sport is, and they, have, they all have the exact same goal that same hope, that same measure, that same dream. And we all get to watch and we get to participate in with our own teams that season. This right now, it's a, it's a good time of year for sports. Football's right in the middle of the season. Basketball and hockey, they're just, they're just starting up. And just this, on Friday, the World Series started in baseball. And for baseball, by the end of this week, this coming week, someone's going to win the World Series and achieve their dreams. One team's heart's going to be broken for having gotten so close. 
But some people are, are going to achieve something that they have been dreaming of and working toward their entire lives. And, and, and you'll see them celebrating in the field, jumping in each other's arms, and, and then people are going to come and put a microphone in their faces to articulate how they feel in that moment, and they're not going to do a very good job. But it's, it's not really going to matter because you can see it and you can feel it with them. And it's not going to take but a few minutes, though, before they begin asking them about next season. And, and for some who may have been there before, how, how this one immediately compares to their other achievements. And I always wonder, why can't just this be enough? Why can't they just let them have this for just a little bit longer? We all know stories of people who have achieved dreams, dreams of victory or of wealth or a, a job or celebrity or marriage or anything it is that we dream about. And it ends up to be not all that we dreamt it would be. It, it, it didn't provide the satisfaction for all that investment we put into it. And we all know disappointment in some of the dreams we've achieved. This passage is the culmination of a journey. It's, it's the culmination of the journey to the festival at, at the temple up in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. And the Psalms of Ascent are a, a journey with a destination, with a goal. And it is a picture of the achievement of the pursuit, a journey that began back in Psalm 120. Each psalm since then has had a, a theme that, that pictured an aspect, a key part of the journey of life lived with God. Beginning with Psalm 120's theme of, of repentance, turning away from the world and toward God, that initial move and a life and a journey with and toward God. And this journey has had everything. It has touched every kind of experience, every kind of resource in us, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs. But now, finally, we get there. We finally get to the top of the mountain, the temple. Are we going to be disappointed? What is it we're going to find? Where, where is all this going? And is it going to satisfy. This psalm is a, a picture of that journey culminating in utter satisfaction. This, this festal, festival in Jerusalem, is, it's more than worth anything that they're going to invest to get there, anything that they're going to face in, in the journey. And as a picture of discipleship, it is a picture of the satisfaction of everything we invest, everything we give, anything and everything we face in life. And it begs the question, what could be so good? What kind of achievement, what kind of destination, what kind of victory could be so satisfying? Where is all this going that is worth everything? 
What do we see when we get there? What we see when we get there is a snapshot of what they're going to do when they get to the temple in Jerusalem, and it's a snapshot of what we do when we get to our final destination, the heaven. The destination is described in this final psalm, 134. It has a key word, barach. We translate it, blessing. It's a word that carries with it the fullness of the story that culminates there. In a nutshell, you know the story. God made everything. He made us. And and all of creation, and and all of creation is filled with, with order and purpose and meaning and love and the goodness that He proclaimed over all of it. But but we sought to make a name for ourselves apart from Him, to do things our own way without Him, and we call that sin. And the whole order of creation cracked, was broken, and death came in. And everyone knows, everyone knows something's wrong. This isn't the way things are supposed to be, but we don't know how to fix it. We can't fix it ourselves. But God never left us, and He loves us still, and He came for our redemption through His Son who suffered the consequences of sin for us and and rose from the dead and restores us into God's presence through and through the presence of His Spirit in us now and fully when we get to the finish line, either our own finish line or when there's a new heaven and a new earth and all things are made new. All of that is in this word, blessing. Eugene Peterson writes, it describes what God does to us and among us. He enters into covenant with us. He pours out His own life for us, and He shares the goodness of His Spirit the vitality of His creation, the joys of His redemption, He empties Himself among us, and we get what He is. That is blessing. What the, what the temple is that we get to, what the Israelites on the journey arrive at, is the fullness of the presence of God in His temple. God is not distant, but He is fully involved in our lives, even right now. And and realizing this, coming to know this, is what the good news is, the gospel. There's a, a, a theological phrase that characterizes this relationship with God that culminates in this passage. It is the phrase, covenant blessing. It's the goodness that that comes out of the loving relationship that we have with Him. It's initiated by God going all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was blessed by God. Do you remember the covenant? Abraham was blessed by God to be the father of a great nation and a lasting people in, in the land 
that they made a great nation, and, and that they still contend over that land. But the final blessing he received was to be a blessing. It's a clear pattern here. We are blessed by God to be a blessing, to bless others, and we bless finally and forever God. We are the, the people who have experienced all that there is in the journey, all the ups and downs, the, the hardships and victories of life, and we end with the fulfillment of the journey, the blessing of God. And we find those blessings, blessings filling and inhabiting us all along the way, including the presence of God with us. And we become, along the way, a blessing. In Judaism, to this day, all forms of prayer which begin with the praise of God are called barakoth, that is, blessings. And there's no better concluding and summarizing word in all of Scripture than barach, than blessing. Picture those who have been traveling for days, weeks even, months. What do they, what do they feel and do when they get there? This passage begins with what is an invitation and a command to bless. It's an invitation. No matter, no matter what you experience on the way, do you fight with your wife, get angry at your neighbors, lose your kids? That's a familiar one later in Scripture. Did your feelings get out of hand? Or even did bad things happen to you? You are here. You're here. Bless the Lord. It's also a command. This is why you came. Don't get distracted by the big city now that you're in Jerusalem that's full for the festival, the gossip and the storytelling. You came because you are blessed and are to bless. This is the purpose for which you came and for which you were created. And this purpose anticipates what we will do in heaven. Then, after that, this, this invitation and command, it gives us a little help to get started. Lift your hands. It's, it's just a, a simple motor movement. And this is not so much about the posture, although it's a good and historical one, while we ourselves typically picture prayer as maybe on our knees with our heads bowed and our hands held together, the ancient posture of prayer and praise is standing with, with eyes and hands lifted to the heavens. And this is a statement about the heart and what you do and don't do when you get to Jerusalem, to the final destination. Don't get distracted, even by your own feelings, by whatever else is going on. Don't let anything distract you. This is what you came to do. Do it. Bless the Lord. Even if you're not feeling it, often the feelings are going to follow. John Calvin said, for why... Do men lift their hands when they, are, when they pray? Is it not that their hearts may be raised at the same time to God? 
Eugene Peterson said, you will become that which you do. Regardless, we, we don't wait for our feelings to lead our actions. I think especially of Job. It's, you know, Job is the story of somebody who had everything and lost all of it. All his health and his status, his family, his wealth, everything. And I certainly don't think he felt like praising God after he lost all that. But this is what he said. Blessed be the Lord. Sometimes we don't feel friendly and we don't want to talk to someone. But if we engage and they smile back at us, the doors to our friendly feelings, they just open wide. And sometimes we don't feel like going to worship, but we get ourselves here out of obligation, or maybe some of us are getting paid to be here. And we hear the worship team practicing as we come in, and we see someone smile and wave across the sanctuary, or we get to tell someone what's heavy on our heart, and we all pray about it. Or you hear in the words something you know you need to hear. In all of this, suddenly you realize God is here working in you His grace. This psalm probably was a, a word for the professional worship leaders in the temple during the festival season. They would take shifts leading around the clock and, and through the night, and you can imagine the, the low ebbs at three in the morning. But they would hear this command to bless, for they had been blessed. And there are no excuses but to bless. Humphrey Bogart de defined a professional person as someone who did a better job when they didn't feel like it. There's, there is a reality deeper than feelings. Eric Routley says, to bless is to speak well of, now God has spoken well of you. Now speak well of Him. In all of this, in all of this, you see a posture of taking God seriously, but, but not taking ourselves so seriously. There, there's a character to the one who knows that they have been blessed and will be blessed all the way to heaven. And, and themselves bless God and bless others. And it's a character that takes God seriously, <laughs> that dwells in God's word and promises, but at the same time doesn't take themselves so seriously. Karl Barth was the monumental theologian of the last 150 years, and this is not an endorsement of all his theology but he does stand at the head of those who, who sought to remain faithful in the era of modernism. And he wrote theology. He wrote a lot of theology. A, a, a six million word, 70,000 page, 12 thick volumes of tiny print of church dogmatics and 40 or 50 other books. And clearly he wrote for decades. And it all takes God very seriously. 
And under, underlying all of it was, was the glory, grace, and blessing of God to us. And all that, all of that had a tone of what in German he called Dankbarkeit, of a tone of gratitude. And there's a lightness, a joy, a, a, a twinkle underneath even the most serious prose. But there's also a story of Bart riding the bus in his hometown city of Basel, where he worked. And he sat next to someone who, who was clearly visiting the city, and, and they struck up a conversation. And he asked him what he was looking forward to seeing in this beautiful Swiss city. I'd like to see the great theologian Karl Barth. Do you know him? Oh, yes, Bart replied. I shave his face every morning. And the man went away satisfied, able to tell his friends that he'd met the great Karl Barth's barber. You see, while Bart clearly took God seriously, he refused to take himself so seriously. And he didn't burden others on the bus or in his writing or with a famous person's pride or ambition or sin or self-righteousness. He just brought blessing. And in the midst of all the, the rankling of politics a, a few years ago, I, I heard a church leader in a denomination make the comment about healthy churches. He said, rather than spend all our energy screaming at the dark, let's double down on being the light. Another way of saying it is, let's focus on blessing. God's blessing for us and our blessing for others and for him. Peterson writes, blessing is at the end of the road, and that which is at the end of the road influences everything that takes place along the road. The end shapes the means. As Catherine of Siena said, all the way to heaven is heaven. A joyful end requires a joyful means. Bless the Lord. I want to go back to sports for a moment. I lived in Pittsburgh for 11 years, and you know it is as football-obsessed a town as, as Seattle is, and it's a football day today. They have a coach named Mike Tomlin for a while now, and he's, he's very well respected around the league, and part of why he's so respected is that he seems to win when they really shouldn't be winning. And, and Part uh, he hasn't had a losing record for a long, long time, even when they haven't had a very good team. And right now they have a horrible offense, and somehow they find themselves at four and two. A few years ago, I think it was when they had lost their first four games of the season. Tomlin had made an observation about their play. He said that they'd forgotten to have fun. After all, they're playing a game. They made it to the playoffs that year, like they do most years. Eugene Peterson tells the story of a dean of a theological seminary concerned about his students that they showed no joy. And he said, the, the dean said, delight in what God is doing is essential in our work. The Westminster Catechism, which is an expression of our faith that we hold on to in our tradition and in the EPC, that, that, the faith that we're a part of, 
it begins with the most important thing. As a catechism, it, 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 it comes in the form of questions and answers for children to learn. And the first question is, what is the chief end of man? Remember, it's a 17th century document. We'd say today, what is the chief end of humanity? What is the chief end of each person? The answer still translates, though. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I like how John Piper summarizes that for us as well. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. I think you could summarize all that in one word, blessing. This series has been inspired by Eugene Peterson's work on these psalms in a great book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a book of discipleship. And Peterson's final paragraph on this last psalm begins with a quote of, from Karl Barth's dogmatics. Barth writes, Charis always demand the answer Eucharistia. That is, grace always demands the answer of gratitude. Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like, like the voice and echo. Gratitude follows grace as thunder follows lightning. Peterson goes on, God is a, a, a personal reality to be enjoyed. We are so created and so redeemed that we are capable of enjoying Him. All the movements of discipleship arrive at a place where joy is experienced. Every step of ascent toward God develops the capacity to enjoy. Not only is there increasingly more to be enjoyed, there is steadily the acquired ability to enjoy it. Best of all, we don't have to wait until we get to the end of the road before we enjoy what is at the end of the road. So come, bless the Lord. The Lord bless you. Remember, as we come to the end of this series, all of these psalms are songs. They are songs for us to sing along the way. And we know the way is not always easy, but sometimes it's wonderful. We have songs, we have songs for all of it. And, and eventually, we get to that final achievement, the pinnacle, to the end of the journey. And this is how we know it's more than, than worth it all. It's where we will sing the final song forever. And all of these songs have this and are this. Blessing. Be a singer of blessing. Normally, I can come to the end of a sermon, and we all close our eyes, and I pray. Well, I want to pray, but I thought maybe we could do it the way the psalm is asking us to do it. Let's stand 
And for this prayer, let's raise our hands and look up. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, this journey is everything. It's hard and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Sometimes we're alone. Sometimes we are tired of people or in conflict, but sometimes, Lord, we're together in pure joy. But all of it, Lord, we know is drawing us to you into that final joy of blessing, blessing you. Lord, help that blessing that we, is there at the end waiting for us to be the theme of our song, of our lives, every step of the way. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we pray your guidance in your presence in us now. In the blessed name of Jesus our Lord, amen, amen.